0: Okay, so Sam, thank you so much for joining us today on the Say It podcast. Uh, the other day... Thanks
1: for having me. Yeah, and,
0: and uh, the other day I asked you about, you know, sort of where you were at, what you were doing at the minute, and, and you said that you were you were a writer, an actor, director, teacher, <laughs> theatre maker. I, I use the phrase creative genius, um, yeah. which has been, you know, th- th- you're doing so much, and I know that you've been... Um, i want to talk to you about lockdown really and i know that we've probably talked about nothing else but in terms of the the creative industry i'm I'm so fascinated by by how people have stayed creative during this really bizarre time and i know that in in conversations that we've had you seem to have been as busy as ever is that is that fair to say
1: it is yeah i kind of feel like i need a holiday (laughs) Um, To be honest, yeah, because I'm lucky in the fact that when I'm not acting and I'm not directing uh, shows that I'm teaching, so it's been um, massively busy keeping our students going and keeping them creative as well. But yeah, I've been really lucky. I've been basically busy the whole time, except for the first couple of weeks when I was like, oh, lockdown. And it felt, I don't know how you felt, but it all felt a bit of a novelty at first. It was like, oh, this feels like a holiday. And then after two weeks, I was like, hmm, this isn't going to be a holiday. This is going to be really hard work and I've got to keep going. Uh, But yeah, I'm lucky enough to kind of, I have my fingers in many pies and they have kept me busy and some areas of my work have actually got much busier because of lockdown which has been quite interesting so like voiceover and stuff it's really worked out well for me um, but it's all at home which is very very strange
0: and where are you at the minute sam so you've done so much teaching across uh, across um you know the country i believe you're in edinburgh yeah. at the moment tell us about that yeah
1: at the moment i'm working at mga in edinburgh which is a drama school degree uh, course in edinburgh and it's great edinburgh is such a beautiful city um so i teach acting there and i'm working with a lot of students on across acting and musical theater courses and also foundation courses and we're doing a variety of things so at the moment i'm directing a play on zoom called age of arousal which is a brilliant play and we're having a lot of fun with that working out how to do it digitally rather than in the room And also we're making a film in the style of Mike Lee, which has been really great. So uh, my acting students, my first year actors have been creating their own characters. And now we're at the script stage where we're writing the script. And we're hoping, of course, at some point to be able to get out there and film it. (laughs) But we'll see.
0: How has that transition been, Sam, on, you know, in terms of, I know a lot of, I felt quite sorry for a lot of the university students who who really are not getting, yeah. you know, and through no fault of their own and through probably through no fault of anyone's really, you know, they're, they're not getting that kind of uni experience and, you know, from an actor's perspective, I feel like it's so important to be to be in the space together and learning how to work together and, you know, how, how difficult has it been for students Trying to learn, uh, you know, a skill that is really designed for, um, for you know, to interact with other human beings. How's that, how is that on yeah. o- online?
1: It's been a, a tough crossover. Um, so I was in London when the first lockdown hit, and our students. I was at a different drama school, uh, LSDA, down there where I've worked for a long time. And it's a small cohort and our advanced students were about to graduate and we were due to go into an ensemble show and their grad show when the first lockdown hit. And so that was a bit of a scramble really thinking, well, what can we provide for them that's going to make their graduation just as special as a graduation would be in a theatre. So what we did with the first ensemble show, uh, we had many sleepless nights (laughs) turning a play I'd written for them into a film. So we turned that into a film because we felt that actually, if they're going to be in lockdown and they're going to be at home, then let's make the most of what that opportunity is. We can't do a play on stage right now. We didn't really know where anything was going to go at that point. So we did a film, Um, called From Lewisham to Landudno, which was originally an ensemble play for them, but we changed it around. And that actually worked out really well. And they learnt... Uh, I suppose, in a lot more detail, the skills that they'd done. It's only a one-year course, so they learned in a lot more detail how to film, how to be their own lighting designers, how to be their own um, sound people, how to costume it. They were moving furniture around in their houses. Their parents were extremely patient and their flatmates. I was like, can we just move that wardrobe? Because that doesn't suit the set. Can we just just pull that couch over here? Um, So we did that, and then, actually, we were lucky enough, uh, we did a play that we devised and we were lucky enough to be back in the room because we were a small cohort and we did it on stage but we actually filmed it rather than um, played it for an audience so we kind of scrambled through that first time and it, it worked and I think we were all running on adrenaline but now I feel like it's about kind of I think what MGA are doing really well is kind of switching around projects so that we can make the most of being online so that when we do get back in the room, then they can really have those real life um, experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's, it's tough. I mean, morale is tough to keep up. Also, I think, to be honest with you, the students are missing going out and getting drunk Mm and getting to know each other and, you know, doing all the student life thing. Um, So, but with the learning... it it works really well for some things and not so great for others so what we've tried to do is kind of go right we're gonna wait to do that when we can get back in the room and let's focus on the stuff that works um online so it's kind of mixing it all up a bit i think and just being in the moment a bit more
0: yeah and i think that you know i've said that before that the the creative industry you know if 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 nothing else is is creative and we, we probably are, are better equipped at, at coming up with new ideas. Um, you, you know, we had um, Emily Redpath on the other day from from the cast yeah. of Romeo and Juliet, and they that whole piece was basically set. You know. In, in COVID times, and it was Romeo and Juliet through a perspex screen, and you know all this kind of stuff. So it was really interesting, yeah. like listening to how how that they they'd adapted that that classic sort of story into something so yeah. so modern. Santa, You've got
1: to be tenacious, yeah. You know what
0: I mean? Yeah. yeah, and and I think that you know I was talking to another friend of mine, Paul, who was also one of a guest one of our guests on this on this podcast, talking about as an actor, and I wanted to get your thought on this, and as a director and a writer how much inspiration can you can you take and find from all of this what is relatively new emotions that we've never felt um you know can that be can that be turned into something in the future Uh, and is that is that certainly one of the things that you're telling you know uh, university students about using a lot of this kind of negative feeling to you know to to sort of create some powerful theatre going forward
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, On on one side of it, you know, in terms of industry, I say to them, if they can survive this, they're going to be really strong because this is a tough industry and you have to face adversity all the time anyway. And they're facing what could be one of the hardest times ever. So, you know, in terms of building their um, core as actors and performers and artists, you know, this is a great experiment for them. In terms of creatively... um, yeah, I think you know, using all of the kind of feelings of isolation, being separate, um all of those things can inspire stories, but also um we've kind of found that in physically creating stuff without being able to touch without being able to be near each other, you're finding new ways to experiment. So actually it's the idea for me when I first started directing the play last year without anyone touching was bizarre because I'm one of those directors who's like, right, get in there, Mm. you know, let's get sweaty and messy. Mm. And, And I just couldn't believe it. But then you start finding new ways where you do a dance and they're dancing together, but they're not touching each other. and It actually looks quite magical. Um, So it kind of offers you new opportunities to find new ways of telling stories as well. So it can definitely be used. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we'll ever be the same again in some ways.
0: And and, and I wanted to ask you about that. So that that was a a, a play called uh, Crazy for Loving You. Is that, is that, Yeah. what was the, was, was the idea of that actually, that it was meant to be a story of social distancing?
1: So, um I decided to avoid the COVID thing at that point because it was all very new and it was like, we didn't really know what we know now. Things have changed so much in a year, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But we wanted to do an R&D-based project because they couldn't do the normal acting and we couldn't have an audience. We were like, how can we make this a project that's really worthwhile for them? So we did an R&D. So I just went in with the term of grief. And we spent a couple of weeks uh, improvising and talking and discussing about um, grief and what that meant. And then out of that came the play that I wrote um, and we developed. And actually where the non-touching came into play was that the main character, uh, through grieving for her brother, she can't accept he's dead, falls in love with a... um, basically a fake person she falls in love with a guy she creates mm-hmm. so it's all about the isolation of grief and she can't touch him because he's not really there um and what we found and one of the students put it best max um was that not being able to touch and not being able to have those moments where they physically connected heightened the emotion for all the characters yeah yeah and all the the, the i suppose what we were exploring is the isolation in the grief which um and it worked brilliantly um and they handled the subject matter enormously well because on day two i was like why did i choose grief <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> everyone's crying you know <laughs> everyone's <laughs> i was like <laughs> as if we need this you know like, like why didn't i choose joy or something mm-hmm. but actually it, it's quite a beautiful piece that uh, we created i'm dead proud of it i'm really proud of the students uh, for what they did but yeah we kind of used it in a different way but it worked really
0: fantastically I, I found that with with our students in the say it competition you know we went through a contemporary week and then we we tried to get them all off American accents and did a, a great British monologue week and then we, Ooh, yeah. we ended up in um, in comedy and you know I, I was amazed how difficult students found comedy you know and it was like yeah. and I don't know whether it was it it was just the fact that it was comedy and there's this kind of pressure to try and be funny or or whether it's just the fact that nobody really feels particularly great at the moment. You know, everyone's, everyone's surrounded by these kind of these negative emotions and it's really difficult yeah. to, to kind of break out of that and, and, and do joy. something fun. Yeah. I,
1: I remember on my first day, one of my first days of drama school in improvisation class with David Sondy, who was one of my favourite teachers and has actually got into acting now and is incredible. Um, but And the exercise, we were doing improv with, with him and the exercise was you've got to get up and make everyone laugh. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you, oh. I remember how much I died in that moment.
0: <laughs> I can well imagine. Yeah.
1: I couldn't remember, you know, you sat there, you go, and I can't remember any jokes oh. all I can remember is the punchline and I'm not funny and I'm this and it was it was disastrous but yeah that pressure to be funny can be really like tough and I think I agree with you, you know finding the joy at the moment
0: it's, dif- it's difficult it's not
1: always the easiest thing is it we're definitely connected more to the dramatic at the moment than we are the uh,
0: joy yeah and I wonder how sure. much of it is is like you say is linked to to just the way people feel internally and and that, that kind of and yeah. isolation is a great one because everyone has learned Probably forced to learn how to be, yeah. how to be on their own, and how to be more isolated. So before I talk about say it, Sam, I wanted to ask you finally about your um, tiny wife productions. The name fascinates me, um, and, yeah. and I'd like to know. You know, I was having a little mooch on, on the website yesterday at, at some of the, the, the things going on there. What's the what's the idea behind that? What are you? Uh, what's your role in all that?
1: So I'm the creative director of tiny wife it's a little theater company that we set up a couple of years ago um because i wanted to explore our own what kind of happened by accident we did a show and then we were like oh that was good and then we were like but I want to make more work like that oh shall we do some more yeah let's do it and i think we didn't sort of hit the ground running with the company because I was like i don't really have anything to say i just want to make nice shows and good shows that people want to come and watch have a drink have a good time go home and go to bed you know what Mm -hmm. i mean there's no there was no big kind of like leading point to our theatre company. It was just like, this is the kind of work I want to make. And, you know, so we're still finding our feet with it, really. But I guess what we found is that we're falling into this kind of world of making uh, very unusual, quirky love stories, which really kind of hone into um, humanity in a slightly odd way. We always use live music, um, it's they're kind of like they feel like folk tales in a sense, um and the name Tiny Wife comes from a book by Andrew Kaufman, um, which is a brilliant book, one of my favourite books. It's a short book, uh, totally advise it <laughs> to read. Um, but it's one of my favorite books and the style of that book and what it does to my head creatively I do actually want to make that into a show um but I need to speak to Andrew's agents agent and stuff management um <laughs> but I that's kind of the ultimate goal is to eventually make that uh, a piece of musical theatre about that book um but yeah that's where the name came from it's the idea of also being i've often been called tiny as a person and um i'm kind of like yes i might be tiny but i am mighty and uh, <laughs> it's the idea of little little things little germs of things growing and, and making big splashes on the page i guess that's where it
0: comes from how interesting um, i'm gonna get I, I'm, yeah. I promise you i'm gonna buy this book now to put in our on our growing library of um
1: Please oh, do because
0: stories. then when I do the show, you can all come and see it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so when I gave you, obviously you you jumped at the chance, which I was very grateful for, um, at being part of this competition. And I, I guess yeah. you know for us, it was it's our way of trying to keep students engaged and keep students. Um, you know, focused on something really positive. We did um, a Say It, sorry, we did a Sing It, we did a Move It, so we did uh, singing and dance and then, in lockdown three it was like well there's only there's only really one one thing we can do and that's to do to do a monologue competition and i when i I sent you the actual list of um uh, of our themes you you immediately said oh i love them all but i want to take shakespeare what sam what is so relevant what why is shakespeare so so ingrained in in our culture even today what what is so special about about shakespeare's work
1: I think it's because it's uh, human at the end of the day and the, the levels of passion. You know, we love soap opera, don't we? We all love a soap on a Wednesday night. And I think sort of Shakespeare was the, <laughs> the, the originator of what the soap opera is really, you know, that dramatic kind of heart-wrenching, you know, pulse racing kind of drama that makes us tune in the next time and I think you know that combined with the theatricality of Shakespeare and of course the poetry and and the way he uses verse and stuff which which brings which you can't do with everything it's it's different uh but I think for me it's like a blueprint for living really and you you know you've got people dying and killing each other and eating their brothers and eating their children. And, you know, you can't get more dramatic than that. Who doesn't want to like have a go or watch that happen on stage? You know, um, sometimes they can be a bit long and I'm not afraid to cut Shakespeare. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, I just think they're fantastic plays and, you can't get enough of it really. And I do think it's to do with the drama and the scope of it, that, that it can be reinvented time and time and time again, because he's talking about the big issues that keep repeating themselves mm. because as human beings, we don't learn very quickly. Mm. So things just keep going round and round and round. And I think it's the idea that you can take it and reinvent it and, um, also, I'm not sure you have to pay copyright, so I think that might be a reason why it's quite popular as <laughs> yeah. well. Um, just to think, point my producers head yeah, on, yeah. you know, I think that might be a reason as well. <laughs> and,
0: and as an actor, it's time in drama school and, and someone who's taught, and I know you've been in a whole host of things on, on TV. You know, when we said to our students that that Shakespeare is relevant for those of you that want to go into the acting industry, you will have to, you know, become well-versed in this stuff. Is it, what is it about Shakespeare Shakespeare, you think, as an actor that, that helps actors develop?
1: I think it's the having to match your technical skill because of it's written in verse, so there's no avoiding that. You can't naturalise it in that way. It is written in verse. There's a technical skill, but also an emotional size that you have to find as an actor to make it live and to make it seem natural. Mm-hmm. That's the difficulty with Shakespeare. To make it naturalistic, you've got to match it. And that's where sometimes the difficulty is. You have to honour, I say, the verse. You have to play by those rules, obviously made to be broken. You also have to find this mammoth size of uh, emotion inside yourself to reach the heights you want, just like doing an opera. Um, but at the same time, it has to be really truthful. So I think for an actor, it's it's really exposing, mm-hmm. actually. If, if you're not good at it, you can't get away with it. Yeah, yeah you know and i think that's where the challenge comes in and it's just a great training physical vocal emotional training it's an it's it's athletic and actors have to be athletes in many different areas and i think that's why shakespeare that's why we can't leave shakespeare alone mm-hmm. Uh, because we need it to test us, basically.
0: And I think that that's, you know, I remember talking to my team, and we're obviously split into three teams, and I said, you're going to love next week Shakespeare, and a lot of them put their hands over their faces, and and they, they, you know, they're lying back on their beds and all this sort of stuff. And, And I don't think, and obviously working with young people for so long, it's not so much... They're against the Shakespeare. It's they're against doing something that's so new that, that there is a danger where they can feel exposed and that they can get this wrong. Um, well,
1: yeah, it's also it's that thing of you know at school it's taught very often. Not everyone. I had a great teacher um, at school. Well, two Miss Skinner and Miss Jackson who taught me uh, English literature, and it can be so dry. Mm. And it's not meant to be read. And that's such a cliche. People say it's not. It's meant to be played. It should be taught in the drama classroom. It should be taught on its feet. Mm -hmm. It should be... People should know. I don't remember knowing this. And I say it to my students all the time. It doesn't matter if you don't know what it means. That's what we're going to find out. I don't know what it means. I've been reading this stuff for 20 years. I can read the same speech again and still go, what the hell does that mean? I can't remember now. So it's about going... It just takes more work. It just takes more investigation. It just takes the ability to say... How am I supposed to know what that means? And sometimes it's also accepting some of it does not make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Some of the jokes will not land because they're not funny to us. We don't have the same uh, stuff. So in that case, cut it. Do you know what I mean? Get rid of yeah. it. Move on. So I think it's it's the idea that, yes, it's something new, but this idea that also we should revere it, um, which is nonsense. It's for actors, mm-hmm. you know. So, Yeah. I'm very passionate about it. Actually, I do love Shakespeare.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I remember we, we, with the session that we did with students online. You know, we ran through some of the language, some of the things that are very relevant today, like the stuff that we just use all of the time. You know, uh, yeah. that people don't realise or people are like, oh, I don't like Shakespeare, but yet yeah, they're the quoting it. You know, five yeah. five times a week. And then we talked yeah. to them obviously about the verse and the iambic pentameter and all of the second stress in the second syllable and all this. But then it was like, right, so we've taught you the rules and now you need to yeah. forget the rules completely. So you yeah. it doesn't become this kind of mechanical recital of, you know, and they, they get hung up and there's no emotion and there's no there's no characterization, no performance. It's just them reading the lines and getting getting bogged down yeah. with the language. And yet you know even me knowing these students really really well i was i was so kind of uh, blown away by by some of them that that managed to actually actually do both so you know for someone that doesn't know any of these kids before although that you know the secret here is that you are you, you are a scam lass aren't you from from this part yeah. of the world <laughs> um, Woohoo.
1: yeah and, uh, and i visit often i can't wait to come to the arts and see you yeah,
0: all. yeah please do please do so what what <laughs> did you what was your initial thought when you you know you opened them mor- what was your when you went through these videos what What was the thing that was running through your head with it?
1: So it started with uh, Maddie, is it, as the witch?
0: Little Maddie, yeah, yeah, our six-year-old. And I was
1: like, I was hooked immediately. What a brilliant little performer. And how she handled the verse and going up at the end and singing and using the rhyme and everything. So I was like, oh, you know, sometimes as as an acting teacher, director, you have to sit back and watch stuff because you have to. But already Maddy relaxed me and I was like, oh, I can enjoy this. have a cup of tea. (laughs) Just sit back and enjoy some Shakespeare. That's great. Um, And then from there, it was just, I, I was honestly, like you say, I was blown away having, I think you've told me they only had four days or a week or whatever. Um, at how much they'd managed to yes get their heads around what the hell it means um the technique the um, you could feel they'd worked on the rhythm and the muscularity of using the language so so the craft was there but then also some people managed to go that even further and really get in to the story and the passion and the emotion of it and Yeah, it was a real treat. And I actually went back and watched a few times because, A, I found it hard to choose which my favourites were, but also it was just a really good watch. (laughs) So I I was, you know, it's the sort of thing I want to show my university students and go, look, Mm -hmm. these kids are doing it, so... uh, Let's get up on our feet. It was great. I thought they did a fantastic job.
0: And tell us about some of your favorites, Sam. So I know you've sent you've done this video for us and but just just touch on some of the favorites and kind of why why they stood out for you, why they, they stuck with you. And I know what you're saying about Matt Little Maddie. Maddie was one I actually pulled out this week. And yeah. and it and it wasn't, and I tried to say this in my in my feedback, that it wasn't the fact that she was the youngest, and it's very easy for us to, to go, uh, oh, um, well, she's done great because she's only five or six, and uh, having a child who is actually in Maddie's class, I know, yeah. I, I think it's phenomenal, because my little boy, you know, there's no way on earth that he'd be quoting Shakespeare, but it was more than that. It was actually the fact that... that she'd taken the text she'd got she got rid of the text so it wasn't that like she was just reading it off a sheet and then had brought yeah. this whole thing to life with costume and you know even the the cauldron in the background and and the modula- modulation know. in her voice and there was so much going on
1: exactly i just it's nothing to do it was it wasn't anything to do with her age i just thought yeah she went for mm-hmm. it she smashed it quite frankly um Some of the others I really enjoyed. I'm going to forget people's names. Um, Lady Macbeth. Uh,
0: So, Ekenna.
1: Ekenna. Yeah. Yeah. Ekenna. Wow. Mm -hmm. That blew my socks off. I thought that was great. Um, Really went for the darkness, the passion, the emotion but also again, still had the technique of the language. Um, that, that for me was a real standout performance. Um, Molly, is it doing Hermione? Mm -hmm. Very different, very, very simple, but really felt like she understood where Hermione was, um, emotionally and, um, was really brave in just standing there and speaking it to camera. And, you know, it, it, I love that play The Winter's Tale is one of my favourite Shakespeare plays and I thought she did a cracking job
0: On that, on um, that Sam uh, with Molly so a little story about that She, Molly is actually the oldest so you probably m- might have guessed that but she's Molly's more 18 I think now and she's looking at drama school um, yeah. she's actually applied to some in, in London and that that particular piece she had to do she had to present two Shakespeare pieces one one comedy and one you know and, and she actually come to, to me with that we did some work on that and I know she's actually in Joe's team, so I don't want to pinch all the credit off Joe. Um, but, <laughs> but she, um, yeah, and, and Molly. She's so physical. She's a very good. Um, mm-hmm. She also played Buddy the Elf. I was telling you about Ekena um, because you mentioned Ekena, and and she yeah. played Buddy the Elf. Well, here and Molly actually. Played that together. Oh, great! And, and yeah. M- Molly is such a, a a very physical comedy performer. We have a, a running joke, me and Molly, that I've always, she's easier sometimes to cast as as boys than she is as girls, you know. <laughs> yeah. And when she comes to me with that with that piece. You know that was that, that's what struck me from it. I said, "Let me have a look." And my thing with Molly is, I've got Buddy the elf in my head here, and then she ended <laughs> up, like you say, just standing there, no no gimmicks, no nothing, just looking straight down the barrel, and then delivered this really kind of like, in in a sense, dehumanised um, Hermione at the at that time, and it was like, yeah. wow, that was so it was so good. So
1: yeah, it was great. I loved it. Uh, really good. And yeah, if she, uh, good luck with drama school auditions. I'm sure she'll smash them with work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then what? who else? There were so many... I mean, just seeing, was it little, was it Ollie who just did Henry? I was like, wild. What, th- like, this boy's just doing Henry, his voice. I was like, yeah. where's that voice coming from once more? And I, I, I think I was sort of looking away from the camera then. I looked and expected to see like a 50 year old man and there's this child <laughs> stood there. And so that voice is incredible. And um, so just seeing some of the choices of pieces as well was exciting. I really enjoyed uh, Juliet. Is that
0: is Ru- that Ruby? Ruby, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I really enjoyed that because I felt that, you know, um, I think, I think I said this in my video as well, that Romeo and Juliet is one of the harder plays, even though it's the one we're all taught at school, you know, we've all seen it, we all think we know it, but actually that it has some of the most complex language and complex um, metaphorical ideas in there and to play those and also tell a story and also be that emotional is actually a really big achievement Um, And I felt like I was watching Juliet, Mm -hmm. Uh, the way she set it and staged it and everything. I really felt like like I was there. And I was like, I wanted to see the rest of the play. (laughs) I wanted to see the next bit, um, which was great. I also enjoyed a lot Titania, Mm -hmm. who was... Rosa. Rosa, Mm -hmm. thank you. Uh, Rosa's Titania. Again, it's, I don't know, you're probably getting the impression and you probably know by now I'm a very passionate person. So when I see that kind of like passion and kind of hunger and really kind of muscular performance and really getting in there and getting into the feelings and the and the story um, with that kind of power uh, that really that's something that makes me tick as a director as an actor um and I thought that was great as well to be honest with you they were all really good i loved uh, the viola uh, little viola the character work in that was fantastic again how old who who did, was it um, so
0: viola was abby i think um
1: abby and how old is abby so
0: she would be 13 same age as ruby about 13
1: i mean what a show mm-hmm. great great performance of viola there. really good character work excellent use of the verse in that piece um There was another Lady Macbeth, which I really enjoyed. Corey. Corey, really lovely delivery. Really excellent. You had a couple of young Phoebes in there. Sassy Phoebe, who I love. I did Phoebe in a Scouse accent for my showcase after drama school. And it went down a storm and it was so nice to see these these young girls doing it. It with such sass um, and power. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's taking it. The ones that have really stood out to me is where they've taken it. They've done their technical work. They've made some decisions, but they're owning it. They're going, no, this is mine mm-hmm. right now. It don't belong to Shakespeare anymore. It doesn't belong to my team coach anymore. It belongs to me. I'm making the decisions and this is the character. Mm-hmm. And I think that's they're the ones that really stood out for me. But to be honest with you, across the board, I was super impressed.
0: Yeah, and I, really. I, I think you're right. I mean, we we looked, you know, we, we sit and these videos come in, they have a deadline and they come in. And as I say, we know these kids really, really well. I mean, Rosa... The girl who played Titania was is one of the oldest, uh, one of the older ones again. She's I think she's year eleven now, Rosa, um, and and she, we, we did cats last year and she played Victoria, so she didn't have a lot. Li- oh, she didn't yeah. have a line in it. Yeah. Rosa is she has a she's brilliant, a great dancer, but very good physically, very, you know, very. She thinks very much about the movement with with a lot of pieces. Yeah. So when you actually then then took this. The voice work as well, you know, she's becoming a very, very strong sort of triple threat type character. Yeah, Um,
1: it's great because, especially for Shakespeare, it is physical. You have to be an athlete. So to have all of those things, you know, you can't fail really if you've got all those things mm -hmm. going for you, so.
0: So, Sam, I wanted to just finish with, you know, you, you... come up with a couple of real tips so what we're going to be asking for not next week but the week after so the students now are going to be asked to present one final piece so they've had five weeks of trial and error you know we haven't said send in self-tapes we've said send in a piece of, of a certain time. And like you say, you know, from your perspective as a director and a writer and an actor, you're maybe looking at, at slightly different things. You know, some of the pieces are a bit more of a production. You're like, oh, well, I'd appreciate that from a director's standpoint, but from a, you know, as an actor, those who are brave enough like Molly just to stand and deliver, you know. So what, what, we're hopefully going to... Well, we definitely want you to come back for the final week just to... Really, just to pick your your top three, and the theme is pick whatever you like. So students are going to probably go, you know, for something that that suits them. What, what what would you be looking for? What what makes a good a good piece f- for anyone that's, students that are listening and thinking? Oh, right, what's my finale piece going to be? What would you be looking for as a as a really good strong strong entry?
1: I think it has to be owned by the person doing it it has to be yours so whatever it is you have to be passionate about it and then you have to make it your own um but with that it needs to make sense to the story uh you have to play a strong objective and absolutely be live in that moment i think that's the thing with anything especially with monologues that sometimes we miss we do all this practice and all this rehearsal um But essentially, at the end of the day, it's you stood there on stage living in that moment or you on camera living in that moment. And the best advice I can give is stay in that moment. Be present. Don't be thinking about what you did in rehearsals yesterday. Don't be thinking how you would play it in a week be present in that moment and go for it and really tell the story and play the objective. I know it sounds really simple and that's the essential thing. If you want to add production to it, make sure you've got all that first before you then go, right, now I'm going to tart it up with a nice costume and, you know, a nice costume and a a nice uh, set is never going to make up for not playing a clear objective and not playing a character that you understand or that, that you, a journey that you can emote with and go on. So that first inside out is always my thing. Go inside out,
0: Sam. Let me let me uh, think of you about objective because I, I use this phrase quite a lot in terms of in, in terms of my, you know, directing students. And I, I they're probably sick of hearing me say about the importance of of objective and every character in every scene has has an objective or maybe maybe a couple. Just just explain the importance of that. What do you mean by that?
1: So. Without an objective, without a a motivation, as Joey in Friends would say, um, <laughs> we can laugh at that. Um, it's kind of dead acting. It's you can you can be feeling and uh, creating as much as you want. You can you can't play a character. You can only play an action, and action is driven by wanting to get something. And that's the natural law of the human being. We're always, always fighting for survival on a very basic level. So you have to find out what that drive is as an actor for your character otherwise there's always going to be something missing you might be doing the greatest you know uh, the the greatest most emotional scene but if there isn't a reason for it the audience is just going to get bored Mm -hmm. we need to see your character fighting for something all the time even if it's just I want that glass of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we have to see your character fighting for survival all the time. That's what makes it interesting. That's what makes the drama, especially when that's put against somebody else's objective, whose is, I don't want to give you the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's where the drama comes in.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's really useful because, I, you know, it's something that I, I think sometimes they, they, they think I, I just like to use use the word objective and not quite you know obviously it's my job to try and explain what I mean by that but but when you you know when you actually um like you say that there's a difference between when you watch something and you can't quite put your finger on it how many times do you hear people say there was something brilliant about that I don't know I'm not quite sure what it was because they don't have the the knowledge if you like to to explain it but and it's probably the fact that your actors are all alive in that particular moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And in terms of so, what's been really interesting with our with our experts, sort of judges and coaches as they've come on, is they've all looked for something different. So sometimes um, Paul, as, as an actor, was was talking very much about I, I just want to see pieces that were probably more like Molly's, where it, you, it was in, in in person, it was it was intimate, you could see. And then Chris, as a, from a director's standpoint, was looking much more at. The, the productions that, you know, people who, who were to and fro the camera maybe maybe tried it from different angles. Yeah. I suppose th- there's some really good um, lessons in that in the sense of trying to do things for other people is, is probably not not the best. is actually doing something for you first and foremost. Would that be your advice?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess for me, the, one, the the main thing I'd always be looking for is story. Take You have to take me on a journey. Mm-hmm. If you take me on that journey of the story, whether that's with, you know, a big design or just standing there and playing your objective really clearly and being emotionally connected, I need to be drawn in Um, and that's what I'd be looking for as my main thing
0: well let's hope let's hope that they they, they can take some of this on board so um, we're going to try and do it very much like a bit of a Eurovision so we'll be hoping to pop pop around to different places different people and just get in everybody's uh, everybody's one two three so Great. Sam thank you so much for your time um, it's been really good to sort of catching up and, and hearing some of the yeah. some of the things that you've been up to and um, I'm, I'm please you know when you when you are back back in town it would be fantastic to have you you know sort of drop into one of our sessions and say hello and you know just share some of your some of your knowledge and experience with them i'm sure they'd be they'd be delighted with that
1: i'd love to thank you i'd love
0: that okay so uh, we'll leave it there sam i'm going to see you next week on our finale um when we're going to crown our winner of our say it competition Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's been great i'll um I'll look forward to sort of catching up uh, in, in the week, and I'll send you your in our final video when we've when we've got it.
1: Great, right, thanks.